the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. A little under the weather. I think everyone is right now. It's kind of interesting because I can't hear myself. I'm congested up in the head, you know. Uh, so I don't know why I'm talking like this, or I don't know. I'm real high pitched right now. Um, markets are on a tear. I wanted to uh, knock out the show because I can do that. I'm not so sick that I'm going to die, you know. Well, I'm going to die, but not today, hopefully. Nasdaq was up nine tenths of a percent yesterday. Big day. SP 500 up one quarter of a percent. Dow Jones Industrial Average up uh, about one fifth of one percent. Bitcoin still playing at that thirty five thousand six hundred level. Can't really make a move higher. It feels like can't really find a reason to sell it lower. Microsoft made an all time high amid strong demand for its cloud computing services. That's still a thing in the world of AI, which has been the, I guess, the the sexy buzzword this year, right? Cloud can still move a stock. It's nice to see. A couple other things to to hit up today and do some headlines. There's to be a uh, Democrats. They had a good night. Um, basically on campaigning on abortion rights last night in Virginia and Ohio and Kentucky. You bring that up only because Wall Street does have to play with investments. This is not a political show, and I understand that. But when you have a commander-in-chief who is a tax cutter or a commander-in-chief who is a tax raiser, commander-in-chief who is strong against big tech monopolies, commander-in-chief who is weak on big tech companies, it does have a play. Shine, it's a fast fashion retailer. I don't know. I really don't know Shine well. Um, I don't really do a lot of soft retail, which is apparel. Um, Hard retail would be like a Home Depot, which would be wood. Uh, The fast fashion company wants a valuation of about $90 billion, which is much higher than the $66 billion at which it was valued in a funding round earlier this year. It's an e-commerce play as well. Um, They have a lot of supply chain practice issues in China. So I'm kind of happy that my investing world of individual stocks doesn't really bleed into soft apparel. Uh, Back in the day, you know, Gap was super great to look at as an investment because they had Mickey Drexler, CEO, who was able to... uh, hit the right styles in the right fashions. And it's funny because now you don't even think of Gap as stylish. I, I don't think. I think you think of it as T-shirts and 
Um, not much else. But uh, back in the day, they had capri pants, which every girl was wearing a pair of capri pants. Or should I say woman? It's probably the right phrase, right? YouTube is everyone frantically deleting their ad blockers. YouTube's got a global crackdown on ad blockers. Users are uninstalling the programs like their photos from a bachelorette party. Company started restricting ad blockers earlier this year. It later confirmed uh, that it's expanding the initiative, hoping to motivate users to watch ads or cough up $14 a month for YouTube premium. That led users to delete their ad blocking apps faster than you can, you know, uh, count for. So that that's kind of an interesting little side story, right? A report out of Wired found users um, using ad blocking typically sees about six thousand daily uninstalls right now, but since the crackdown, there's been about eleven thousand of ad blockers being uninstalled and a one day high of about two thousand. Kind of like Netflix password sharing. Very similar in my opinion. As far as it's kind of the right thing for the company to do. Especially if you're a shareholder. Um, you want to see the content providers bringing in the advertisers. Because it's not free to host those videos, you know. Gilead Sciences topped $100 billion in market cap. That's about 3.5% of Apple's market cap. That's pretty insane. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell carries market moving weight. He's going to be giving the opening remarks today at the Division of Research of Statistics Centennial Conference. <clears throat> if he wants to walk back any of his recent conference call that was interpreted by Wall Street to be very dovish that we're, he's done raising interest rates, that would be the speech for him to give it at, but there will be no Q&A of note. Um, not a lot happening in corporate news. We're wrapping up earnings season. And with that said, um, like I guess this is kind of interesting. You'll find it interesting, I think. eBay sinks to a 52-week low. There's a deteriorating buy environment. People kind of are pulling back on buying extra things. And that doesn't bode well for companies like Amazon and Etsy and retail in America. Roblox, which is kind of the video game platform for children 4 to 12. Before your mom is willing to give the kid a violent video game on Xbox or PlayStation, mom is willing to let them play Roblox in Minecraft. Stock's up 20% today. It's a big move after solid earnings. 30-year mortgage rate drops by 25 basis points to 7.61%. Longer for higher on rates probably means sometime in the first half or the middle of 2024, uh, we might see an interest rate cut come down. And the reason being, and let me try to explain this real briefly, is the Fed's probably overshot on the high side of interest rates, and they know that. What will be normal, we are probably at peak, which means there'll be something a little bit below peak. Uh, maybe 50 to 75 basis points is the thought. So sometime in 2024, 
it's expected that uh, the Fed will start cutting rates to get to more normalized rates. Uh, of course, it would be foolish of me not to say that there's a chance there's one more rate hike left in Jerome Powell. He did not give any economic commentary this morning with his speech. I just saw uh, that flash by. He did a, a speech this morning called A Look at the Past, Present, and Future. No commentary on monetary policy, so Wall Street won't be able to take anything out of that today. One. Um, that just hit the wires. 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. I don't know why I say that because no one ever calls anymore. I used to get 24 calls per hour, which was crazy. And then people started to listen to podcasts. Um, eight, um, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Airbnb tenant from hell who stayed for 570 days without paying has finally left the property. 30. Can you imagine? That's pretty brutal. Tenant's attorney argues the landlord had no right to change the locks after she left. Uh, tenant finally left the property. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. One topic I don't really talk much about on this show is the financial planning aspects of being a widow. Um, my mother was widowed, which is a weird action verb for 25 years. I married a widow and financially it's can be devastating to lose your spouse. Obviously the emotional part, but on top of it, there's a financial aspect that we just don't ever talk about in financial media. A person's tax filing status goes from marriage filing jointly to single. That can change how the surviving spouse has to pay nearly double the taxes compared to what they were paying. It's really important, I believe, if you have net worth of over 500000 to $2 million or more, to use a financial planner. I personally look at it as insurance on my wealth, but also through tax efficiency, it pays for itself for me on issues that I don't want to deal with, like five-year tax plans, conversions of IRAs to Roth IRAs, and doing it correctly versus just doing it to do it, doing it at the right time of your life in the right tax bracket. But my parents were together for 40 plus years. They filed their taxes jointly. My father never got to the age of collecting Social Security, which is a weird thing to say out loud. He died at 58, and that actually hurt me financially too, which is a weird thing to say. It was tougher for me to get life insurance because one of my parents died before 60. When one spouse passes, in this case, we're going to say the husband, just for the sake of keeping it on the fact, uh, on the line of you know two people that I know. You're required to continue the same RMD amount because you're the beneficiary of your spouse's 401k or IRA. 
when one spouse passes away, their social security income goes away and the higher of the two remains. Yeah, it's great that the spouse gets to take the higher of the two, but unfortunately, they're going to lose a lot of income due to dual RMD mandates in place. Standard deduction gets cut in half. That means the surviving spouse will be left with less tax-free income, but more taxable income due to the RMDs. It's kind of confusing to explain in a podcast. Uh, but the standard deduction for single is about $13,850. For a married couple, it's $27,700. For a head of household, it's $20,800. Then you get in the tax rates of 10%, 12%, 22%, 24 32 35 and 37%. And if you pick up an extra RMD... You're not spreading it amongst two people. Your standard deduction, it only falls under one, but the income is coming in at a greater rate. So you're going to jump into a higher tax bracket. It's something that takes a lot of work to build a plan around. Uh, and sadly, you know, gosh, uh, I'm not that much older than my spouse, but I'll you know, if we're betting, I'm going to go before she does. This is one of the reasons we have a CFP. It's one of the reasons I don't do it. And there's a relationship for her if I do pass before her. Um, I think that's kind of important to take care of the people you love and to take care of the people who've supported you. Uh, the fact that I'm doing this show right now tells you that she supports me because She's getting their kids ready for school, and I'm doing this goofy stuff. Anyhow, I uh, just wanted to talk about things that we don't talk about. They're not unsightly, but they're just stuff we don't talk about. Widows in investing. Widows in retirement. It's going to happen to a lot of people that you know. Not a lot of conviction as investors wait to see if the rally is going to continue today in the stock market. Relative strength in the mega cap stocks today. Um, sharp decline in oil. Now, the sharp decline in oil, it's one of those weird tells. You look for tells. Uh, not like poker, but you look for tails. And the tell is today, you know, you look at the 10-year, what's it doing? You look at the price of oil, what's it doing? And you'll eventually build a case for what, what you think is happening. I would doubt that last night's elections are critically influencing the direction of the markets today. Maybe subtly, maybe subtly. Um, but the SP 500 is up fractionally. The Dow's up fractionally. The NASDAQ has just slipped into the red. Russell's lower. Crude oil's lower. We've just come off the best winning streak since uh, for the last couple of years. Stocks are treading water. They're trying to build on the rally, but so far, not so good. Uh, oil, like I mentioned, is a bit of a story today in that it's down under 80. It's sitting at $76 a barrel. If I were to be constructive, that's that's about the right level that I would like to see oil, somewhere between 60 and 80. Once it gets between like 70 and 90, it starts to become a little bit more restrictive. So, uh, But we could still work until we get to about 80, and then it starts to become very dysfunctional for the stock market uh, because oil acts like a tax. 
Uh, it takes away extra spending that people have because they're filling up their gas tanks. It takes away, it increases costs for manufacturing clothes, increases costs for manufacturing cars. And it just takes away that profit for corporations and it takes away the discretionary spending for individuals. So oil, I like to see 65 to 70 is perfect for me. Right now we're at 75, a little bit on the hot side. Um, but also oil deserves to have some inflation in it too. So I have to up my numbers through the years um, on what I expect out of oil. Um, gold doesn't excite me. doesn't work for me. doesn't have a job. doesn't earn money. Uh, it's weird to think that people hold on to gold for a store of value. Um, and yet a lot like Bitcoin, you don't really go out and spend it to buy a car. You can now. Uh, you don't go out and spend gold to buy groceries. It's a weird story value to me. So, but I'm not fighting it just to fight it. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Um, let's see. 30. There's some stories that sometimes I just see, and I'm like, do I really want to hit that? Martin's uh, Shrekley says he had a great time in prison and got spaghetti and sauce smuggled in for meals with his mob boss pal. What's up with that guy? He was the guy who was jacking the price of medicines. Ten. Um, I don't. I want to be bragging about smuggling food into prison. I don't know. Call me weird. Find me online at robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The markets have had quite a winning streak. In the very short term, you would think, wow, this is great. In the last three months, though, you go, oh, there was quite a correction there. A little bit of a snapback rally. Do we get an end of the year rally? In the perspective of the whole year, the NASDAQ's done pretty well, up 30%. SP 500's in the 15% area. Great year. So, perspective. How do you approach that floating opera? Are you too close? Are you on top of it? Are you too far behind? Are you looking at it on a 5, 10, 15 year basis? Which is what I like to do. Let's bring in our guest, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news, um, where I start my day every day with a page one, Monday through Friday. Um, Patrick, how are you today? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. So the market seems to be in a better place um, this week versus the last, uh, I guess, 13 or 14 weeks that we've talked. Uh, what do you make of the recent snapback rally? Well, um, <clears throat> I think it kind of all came to a head at the right time. Uh, we had a market that had gotten oversold uh, and had seen in uh, some of the reporting data that there was a lot of negativity built up in terms of the way people were positioned um, with you know high short interest activity, just negative, overwhelmingly negative sentiment in general. And a lot of that uh, coincided with uh, the relentless rise in interest rates we had been seeing, uh, and particularly in that 10-year note yield. And so when we uh, got some of that relief on the interest rate front, it seemed to take care of a lot of the um, positioning overhang, uh, and that became a, you know, a, a huge source of relief. And so you saw some chasing after the um, uh, the rebound effort, you saw short covering activity, 
Um, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, and that kicked in with the, what's known as the seasonality factor. The month of November is known as the best month on average for the S&P 500 since 1950. Uh, and it also marks the start of the best six months of returns for the S&P 500 between November and April. And so everything just lined up very well in that respect. And, uh, now what we're seeing early this week, um, you know, I'd argue is kind of almost more of a, we have been seeing, which is not necessarily a great market, you have a market that's kind of like stalled out, uh, driven by the leadership of the mega cap stocks, but the underperformance of the broader market. So I think I'm correct in this next statement. It seems like the market made a judgment call last week that the Fed was done raising interest rates based on the notes and the um, – question and answer period with Fed Chairman Jerome Powell after the meeting on Wednesday. Are you drawing the same conclusion or am I a little off base? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not convinced. I think we're probably more of okay. the, uh, in the cash carry, uh, Minneapolis Peppers and cash carry camp. It's like uh, you said, you know, uh, just the other day that not convinced that the Fed's done raising rates just yet. Um, and the only reason I say that really is I, I would agree that, you know, Fed's very close to being done if it's not done. But, um, it, you know, from everything, you know, that we've taken in in terms of what Fed Chair Powell is saying, I mean, it's pretty clear to us that, you know, the Fed is operating <laughs> more so under a single mandate. And, um, you know, Chicago Fed President Goolsby said yesterday even that, you know, job number one is getting inflation back down to target. And, uh, you know, and, and you don't have that, you know, in terms of the, the from the Fed's perspective, you know, looking at a you know, core PC inflation, that's what that's a three, seven year over year. Uh, they have a target of two percent. <clears throat> so in the Fed's mind, <clears throat> which is the only mind that really matters here, uh, it's not on target yet. And it's not convinced that it's moving back down in a sustained manner to that target. Uh, and I think that the Federal Reserve is also um uh, knows it's been burned by having waited too long to raise rates to begin with. And uh, in our estimation, uh, they're more inclined probably to stay patient longer than the market thinks with respect to a tighter policy that could include another rate hike or so uh, to just ensure in its mind that inflation is going to get to 2% and stay at 2%. Um, and so um, – you know, but but to your question, you know, the market obviously has its own assumptions, and you're right. You know, it certainly is behaving in a manner that would suggest that it's convinced the Fed is not only done raising rates, but is also going to be cutting rates, uh, perhaps as early as the first half of 2024. Uh, and then, last point on this is just you know, we heard Fed Chair Powell at his press conference say that. Uh, the Fed's not even thinking about cutting rates um, right now. That's not the question. The question is, you know, should we be hiking more? Uh, and so I think you're going to see, you know, this clash of a stubborn-minded Fed uh, with an opportunistic and hopeful stock market, which is why you get, you know, a lot of volatility uh, surrounding every data release uh, and as it relates to what it could imply for the Fed's thinking. Um, earnings season has just ended. Sorry, I'm a little under the weather today, so I sound a little stuffed up. But uh, earnings season just ended. Uh, do you feel we did enough work there to give it a good grade, or uh, is the outlook a little too cloudy? 
Yeah, uh, you know, objectively, uh, if you look at just you know the overall reporting, um, yeah, it was it was an okay, it was good. Um, yeah, blended growth rate of about four point one percent right now, it's according to facts that data. Uh, that would break a string of three consecutive quarters where you had a year-over-year decline in earnings for the S&P 500. So that's a good thing, you know, that we're back in a, a growth mode. Um, you know, fourth quarter estimates, though, have been coming down. Um, the revision has been a little bit more pronounced. The downward revision has been a little more pronounced than typical. Um, and I think, though, that, you know, that's what we're, we're, we're running up against here, really, uh, is that, you know, starting, you have these anecdotal, uh, information that implies that you should see a slowdown uh, in the fourth quarter uh, and that perhaps it gets a little bit even more pronounced in you know the first half of next year. Um, oil prices are a bit of a proxy uh, in respect, speaking to this concern. Um, they've come down sharply off their late September highs, all while you know we're dealing with the Israel-Hamas war at the same time. Um, we continue to see the underperformance of the Russell 2000, the regional bank stocks are not acting so great. Um, and so there's, you know, some things to contend with here. And I don't think the market is really convinced just yet that it's able to achieve uh, 12% earnings growth in 2024, which is the current projection. Um, but again, you have a market that still remains hopeful and opportunistic in the idea that if the Fed is going to be cutting rates, um, and perhaps we'll get to that soft landing view and the earnings growth estimates can be protected uh, and we do okay. But um, there are some question marks, though, certainly surrounding the earnings growth outlook uh, as we continue to deal with the lag effects of prior rate hikes, you know, the uh, elevated market rates. Uh, they're not just here in the U.S., but are seen in other developed markets as well. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to take it month by month. But, um, you know, the market is – Still in a hopeful mode. Speaking with Chief Market Analyst Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Give the last two to three minutes for any topic that you want to take us down, as I think that's more than fair. Thoughts? Sure. Um, you know, one of the uh, things that might be looking at here, of course, is, you know, the, the linchpin to the economy is the consumer. Um, you know, consumer spending accounts for close to 70% of GDP. Um, and it's interesting because uh, I don't want to sound as we're getting political because we're not. We don't take any political positions. But there's a lot of polling data that seems to suggest that uh, a lot of Americans are certainly not happy with the economic situation. You know, but at the same time, you've got um, some spending data that sort of conflicts with that view. Um, you know, uh, there is a difference between sort of the soft survey data and, you know, polling questions in terms of, you know, when you're asked to think about what you might do, uh, your answer might actually differ from what you actually do do. And that can relate in part to the fact that if you have income that continues to come in, um, you feel good about your job, you're going to keep spending. Uh, and so it's interesting that you have uh, pieces of data like the retail sales report, which is not in adjusted for inflation, but only covers the spending on goods. Uh, kind of uh, conflicting at times with that personal spending data that we see each month um, that also incorporates spending on services. And the services side of the economy is the largest side of the economy, too. So maybe looking a little bit more into that question as to whether, you know, what we might hear might differ from what people might actually do. 
Uh, and that could be one of the, the things that helps keep this economy propped up against uh, even our own view that uh, we're likely to see, a, a, you know, some more swelling here. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. He's the chief market analyst. He starts my day of reading every day. He's a very good writer um, with his page one, and it ends every week with a big picture at Briefing.com, a reliable source of one domestic and international news. Let's take a quick look at the markets. Um, I find it interesting that we've had a hot streak recently, um, kind of towards the end of the year. Maybe a Santa Claus rally is coming. Um, I think Patrick is more realistic. I think I'm more hopeful at times. Um, hope has gotten me pretty far in this market, looking at how the market works seven out of 10 years, goes up, um, how it regularly hits all-time highs. There's a lot of faith that I have in past performance, in history repeating itself, um, in capitalism. Again, some of those hopes are a little misplaced. I like to say on this show that hope belongs in two places. Uh, Your church, when you die, you hope you go to heaven. And in your football field, I hope the San Francisco 49ers win the Super Bowl. It's silly, but hope doesn't have a big place on Wall Street. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. You can find them at briefing.com. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. I'm a little under the weather, but... I always want to work when Patrick O'Hare's on, so I didn't take the day off. Kind of super congested in the head, so I can't hear myself. It's something you need when you do broadcasting and radio. We'll see where it goes. One of the interesting stocks of the day is Take Two Interactive. It's up nine bucks. It's up seven percent on a day where the Nasdaq's down fractionally. So you go, what gives? In the last year, the stock has gone from 102 to 145. The stock is jumping because of rumors about Grand Theft Auto 6. Um, Take-Two Interactive is a video game studio or video game company, and they've got studios underneath them. Today, there was a report that the hotly anticipated next two in, next installment of Grand Theft Auto video game will be announced this week. Company reports earnings later today. That's a big move up for hopes that they report today, but it makes sense. Game's been in development for a long time. Last year, we saw at this time leaked footage of the game that the company instantly, legally, uh, threw everything they could at to get it brought down, but it was too late. It spread. It looks beautiful. It looks close to done a year ago. And now they're they're polishing it probably. But again, rumor, right? Uh, stocks moved up on the news. Uh, stock has moved up on the rumor. Grand Theft Auto is a big franchise. And it's worthy of note that you don't take that lightly. Uh, Let me explain why. Grand Theft Auto sold over 405 million units. My son played it, and he doesn't really play it much, but every now and then I'll, I'll see him log on. 
He spent a lot of money on it. The game was 60 bucks, but then, you know, spend 20 bucks here and get an expansion, 20, spend 20 bucks here and get a, a helicopter in the game. He spent a lot of money on it. Digital money for, or real money for digital goods, which is, I think, silly, but it is what it is. It's kind of society today. The franchise sold over 405 million units. And when you start doing that number and you go 405 million times $60, you see $24 billion in revenue. Do you see why you have to take it kind of seriously? Uh, And that's before you add on all the extras on the game of things that you can buy. There's reports out of Japan today that the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer everyone's waiting for is officially happening in December. And again, after years of rampant speculation. So Wall Street picked up on that rumor out of Japan. A very specific rumor. And Wall Street's rewarding the stock today. Now, here's the kicker with it. The company has to have more than just take uh, take two has to have more than just Grand Theft Auto, because I just showed you the numbers. And then you take a look at the franchise and you see a twenty four billion dollar company. Wait, wait, wait. This is cheap on a revenue basis. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. I'm telling you, they did twenty four billion on Grand Theft Auto so far, plus expansions. And the company is currently worth $24 billion. Now, that's not an apples-to-apples comparison because there's cost involved, for sure. Um, and labor is a big cost. Um, but, yeah, you can get excited about video games. Uh, when that game is announced and when they take pre-orders, it's going to be record-breaking. Now, when you talk about pulling in $24 billion, what movie has ever done that? The answer is none. I don't know what the number would be if you added up every Star Wars movie or every Spider-Man film, but probably not close. Star Wars probably closer, but you get the idea. Anyhow, I don't want to make too big of a point on it because it is what it is. Investing in a video game, right? But I guess it's revenge for all the time adults have told kids Video games are a waste of money. Video games will waste your brain. Not a lot of conviction as investors wait to see if the rally is going to continue. We've had a good seven days. It's really tough to pull off much more than that. Um, Your net worth, if you're looking at your 401k, has gone up in the last seven days. Your stocks, most of them have gone up in the last seven days. So today I'm seeing just a sideways market on the NASDAQ down fractionally. I'm seeing the Dow sideways up five points. That's less than one-tenth of one percent. The S&P 500 completely sideways. It's down 0.1%. 0.01%, sorry. Again, I'm taking some decongestion, so i got to be careful what I say. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. Stock plunges as weak ad market continues to cloud the outlook. Um, If you're going to do a streamer, it's Disney or Netflix. 
And Disney hasn't figured out how to write their ship after buying Fox and spending so much money. Um, they will write their ship One. and getting out of the pandemic further from it will help. Um, but that's in streaming. I think you got Netflix right now. Uh, Microsoft hit an all time high yesterday and it's hitting an all time high again today. Impressive year for Microsoft. Mr. Softy, as we used to call him. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Anything you ever want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, if you want a complimentary portfolio review, financial snapshot, and you're worth $500,000 or more, drop me an email. And I'll help collect your information, get you a good look at where you are, especially for your age. Um, find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Good day. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.